Question 14, Part 1 of Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, Initial Questions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Jim Ruddy. Question 14 of God's Knowledge. Having considered what belongs to the divine substance, we have now to treat of God's operation. And since one kind of operation is imminent, and another kind of operation proceeds to the exterior effect, we treat first of knowledge and of will, for understanding abides in the intelligent agent, and will is in the one who wills, and afterwards of the power of God, the principle of the divine operation, as proceeding to the exterior effect. Now because to understand is a kind of life, after treating of the divine knowledge, we consider the divine life. And as knowledge concerns truth, we consider truth and falsehood. Further, as everything known is in the knower, and the types of things as existing in the knowledge of God are called ideas, to the consideration of knowledge will be added the treatment of ideas. Concerning knowledge, there are sixteen points for inquiry. Whether there is knowledge in God. Whether God understands himself. Whether he comprehends himself. Whether his understanding is his substance. Whether he understands other things besides himself. Whether he has a proper knowledge of them. Whether the knowledge of God is discursive whether the knowledge of God is the cause of things, whether God has knowledge of non-existing things, whether he has knowledge of evil, whether he has knowledge of individual things, whether he knows the infinite, whether he knows future contingent things, whether he knows enunciable things, whether the knowledge of God is variable, and whether God has speculative or practical knowledge of things. First article, whether there is knowledge in God. Objection 1. It seems that in God there is not knowledge, for knowledge is a habit, and habit does not belong to God, since it is the mean between potentiality and act. Therefore knowledge is not in God. Objection 2. Further, since science is about conclusions, it is a kind of knowledge caused by something else which is the knowledge of principles. But nothing is caused in God, therefore science is not in God. Objection 3. Further, all knowledge is universal or particular. But in God there is no universal or particular, therefore in God there is no knowledge. On the contrary, the Apostle says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. I answer that in God there exists most perfect knowledge. To prove this, we must note that intelligent beings are distinguished from non-intelligent beings in that the latter possess only their own form, whereas the intelligent being is naturally adapted to have also the form of some other thing. For the idea of the thing known is in the knower, hence it is manifest that the nature of a non-intelligent being is more contracted and limited, 
whereas the nature of an intelligent beings has a greater amplitude and extension. Therefore the philosopher says that the soul is in a sense all things. Now the contraction of the form comes from the matter. Hence, as we have said above, forms, according as they are the more immaterial, approach more nearly to a kind of infinity. Therefore it is clear that the immateriality of a thing is the reason why it is cognitive, and according to the mode of immateriality is the mode of knowledge. Hence it is said in De Anima that plants do not know because they are wholly material, but sense is cognitive because it can receive images free from matter, and the intellect is still further cognitive because it is more separated from matter and unmixed, as said in De Anima, since therefore God is in the highest degree of immateriality, as stated above, it follows that he occupies the highest place in knowledge. Reply to Objection 1. Because perfections flowing from God to creatures exist in a higher state in God himself, whenever a name taken from any created perfection is attributed to God, it must be separated in its signification from anything that belongs to that imperfect mode proper to creatures. Hence knowledge is not a quality of God, nor habit, but substance and pure act. Reply to Objection 2. Whatever is divided and multiplied in creatures exists in God simply and unitedly. Now man has different kinds of knowledge according to the different objects of his knowledge. He has intelligence as regards the knowledge of principles. He has science as regards knowledge of conclusions. He has wisdom according as he knows the highest cause. He has counsel or prudence according as he knows what is to be done. But God knows all these by one simple act of knowledge, as will be shown. Hence the simple knowledge of God can be named by all these names, in such a way, however, that there must be removed from each of them, so far as they enter into divine predication, everything that savors of imperfection. And everything that expresses perfection is to be retained in them. Hence it is said, with him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Reply to Objection 3. Knowledge is according to the mode of the one who knows. For the thing known is in the knower according to the mode of the knower. Now since the mode of the divine essence is higher than that of creatures, divine knowledge does not exist in God after the mode of created knowledge, so as to be universal or particular or habitual or potential or existing according to any such mode. Second article, whether God understands himself. Objection 1. It seems that God does not understand himself, for it is said by the philosopher, every knower who knows his own essence returns completely to his own essence. But God does not go out from his own essence, nor is he moved at all. Thus he cannot return to his own essence, therefore he does not know his own essence. Objection 2. Further, to understand is a kind of passion and movement, as the philosopher says, and knowledge also is a kind of assimilation to the th object known, and the thing known is, in the perfect, is the perfection of the knower. But nothing is moved or suffers or is made perfect by itself, nor, as Hilary says, is a thing its own likeness. Therefore God does not understand himself. 
Objection 3. Further, we are like to God chiefly in our intellect, because we are the image of God in our mind, as Augustine says. But our intellect understands itself only as it understands other things, as is said in De Anima. Therefore God understands himself only so far as perchance he understands other things. On the contrary, it is written, The things that are of God no man knoweth but the Spirit of God. I answer that, God understands himself through himself. In proof whereof it must be known that although in operations which pass to an external effect, the object of the operation, which is taken as the term, exists outside the operator, nevertheless in operations that remain in the operator, the object signified as the term of the operation resides in the operator, and accordingly as it is in the operator, the operation is actual. Hence the philosopher says that the sensible in act is sense in act, and the intelligible in act is intellect in act. For the reason why we actually feel or know a thing is because our intellect or sense is actually informed by the sensible or intelligible species. And because of this only it follows that sense or intellect is distinct from the sensible or intelligible object, since both are in potentiality. Since therefore God has nothing in him of potentiality but his pure act, his intellect and his object are altogether the same, so that he neither is without the intelligible species, as is the case with our intellect when it understands potentially, nor does the intelligible species differ from the substance of the divine intellect, as it differs in our intellect when it understands actually, but the intelligible species itself is the divine intellect itself, and thus God understands himself through himself. Reply to Objection 1. Return to its own essence means only that a thing subsists in itself. Inasmuch as the form perfects the matter by giving it existence, it is in a certain way diffused in it, and it returns to itself inasmuch as it has existence in itself. Therefore, those cognitive faculties which are not subsisting but are acts of organs do not know themselves, as is the case of each of the senses. Whereas those cognitive faculties which are subsisting know themselves, hence it is said in De Causis that whoever knows his essence returns to it. Now it supremely belongs to God to be self-subsisting, hence according to this mode of speaking, he supremely returns to his own essence and knows himself. Reply to Objection 2. Movement and passion are taken equivocally according as to understand is described as a kind of movement or passion as stated in De Anima, for to understand is not a movement that is an act of something imperfect passing from one to another, but it is an act existing in the agent itself of something perfect. Likewise, that the intellect is perfected by the intelligible object, that is, is assimilated to it, this belongs to an intellect which is sometimes in potentiality, because the fact of its being in a state of potentiality makes it differ from the intelligible object and assimilates it there to, through the intelligible species which is in the likeness of the thing understood and makes it to be perfected thereby as potentiality is perfected by act. On the other hand, the divine intellect which is in no way in potentiality is not perfected by the intelligible object nor is it assimilated thereto but is its own perfection and its own intelligible object. Reply to Objection 3. 
Existence in nature does not belong to primary matter, which is a potentiality, unless it is reduced to act by a form. Now our passive intellect has the same relation to intelligible objects as primary matter has to natural things. For it is in potentiality as regards intelligible objects, just as primary matter is to natural things. Hence our passive intellect can be exercised concerning intelligible objects only so far as it is perfected by the intelligible species of something, and in that way it understands itself by an intelligible species as it understands other things. For it is manifest that by knowing the intelligible object, it understands also its own act of understanding, and by this act knows the intellectual faculty. But God is pure act in the order of existence, as also in the order of intelligible objects. Therefore, he understands himself through himself. Third article, whether God comprehends himself. Objection one, it seems that God does not comprehend himself, for Augustine says that whatever comprehends itself is finite as regards itself. But God is always infinite. Therefore, he does not comprehend himself. Objection 2. If it is said that God is infinite to us and finite to himself, it can be urged to the contrary that everything in God is truer than it is in us. If therefore God is finite to himself but infinite to us, then God is more truly finite than infinite, which is against what was laid down above. Therefore, God does not comprehend himself. On the contrary, Augustine says that everything that understands itself comprehends itself. But God understands himself, therefore he comprehends himself. I answer that God perfectly comprehends himself, as can be thus proved. A thing is said to be comprehended when the end of the knowledge of it is attained, and this is accomplished when it is known as perfectly as it is knowable. As, for instance, a demonstrable proposition is comprehended when known by demonstration, not, however, when it is known by some probable reason. Now it is manifest that God knows himself as perfectly as he is perfectly knowable. For everything is knowable according to the mode of its own actuality, since a thing is not known according as it is in potentiality, but insofar as it, as it is in actuality, as said in metaphysics. Now the power of God in knowing is as great as his actuality in existing, because it is from the fact that he is in act and free from all matter and potentiality that God is cognitive, as shown above. Whence it is manifest that he knows himself as much as he is knowable. And for that reason he perfectly comprehends himself. Reply to Objection 1. The strict meaning of comprehension signifies that one thing holds and includes another, and in this sense everything comprehended is finite, as also is everything included in another. But God is not said to be comprehended by himself in this sense, as if his intellect were a faculty apart from himself, and as if it held and included himself, for these modes of speaking are to be taken by way of negation. But as God is said to be in himself, for as much as he is not contained by anything outside of himself, so he is said to be comprehended by himself, for as much as nothing in himself is hidden from himself. For Augustine says, the whole is comprehended when seen, if it is seen in such a way that nothing of it is hidden from the seer. Reply to objection 2. When it is said, God is finite to himself, this is to be understood according to a certain similitude of proportion, because he has the same relation in not excluding his intellect as anything finite has in not excluding finite intellect. 
God is not to be called finite to himself in this sense, as if he understood himself to be something finite. Fourth article, whether the act of God's intellect is his substance. Objection 1. It seems that the act of God's intellect is not his substance, for to understand is an operation, but an operation signifies something proceeding from the operator. Therefore, the act of God's intellect is not his substance. Objection 2. Further, to understand one's act of understanding is to understand something that is neither great nor chiefly understood, but secondary and accessory. If therefore God be his own act of understanding, his act of understanding will be as when we understand our act of understanding, and thus God's act of understanding will not be something great. Objection 3. Further, every act of understanding means understanding something. When therefore God understands himself, if he himself is not distinct from this act of understanding, he understands that he understands himself, and so on to infinity. Therefore the act of God's intellect is not his substance. On the contrary, Augustine says, In God to be is the same as to be wise. But to be wise is the same thing as to understand. Therefore in God to be is the same thing as to understand. But God's existence is his substance, as shown above. Therefore the act of God's intellect is his substance. I answer that it must be said that the act of God's intellect is his substance. For if his act of understanding were other than his substance, then something else, as the philosopher says, would be the act and perfection of the divine substance, to which the divine substance would be related as potentiality is to act, which is altogether impossible, because the act of understanding is the perfection and act of the one understanding. Let us now consider how this is. As was laid down above, to understand is not an act passing to anything extrinsic, for it remains in the operator as his own act and perfection, as existence is the perfection of the one existing. Just as existence follows on the form, so in like manner to understand follows on the intelligible species. Now in God there is no form which is something other than his existence, as shown above. Hence, as his essence itself is also his intelligible species, it necessarily follows that his act of understanding must be his essence and his existence. Thus it follows from all the foregoing that in God intellect and the object understood, and the intelligible species, and his act of understanding are entirely one and the same. Hence, when God is said to be understanding, no kind of multiplicity is attached to his substance. Reply to objection 1. To understand is not an operation proceeding out of the operator, but remaining in him. Reply to objection 2. When that act of understanding which is not subsistent is understood, something not great is understood, as when we understand our act of understanding. And so this cannot be likened to the act of the divine understanding which is subsistent. Thus appears the reply to the third objection. For the act of divine understanding subsists in itself and belongs to its very self and is not another's. Hence, it need not proceed to infinity. Fifth article, whether God knows things other than himself. Objection 1. It seems that God does not know things besides himself, for all other things but God are outside of God. But Augustine says 
that God does not behold anything out of Himself. Therefore, He does not know things other than Himself. Objection 2. Further, the object understood is the perfection of the one who understands. If therefore God understands other things besides Himself, something else will be the perfection of God and will be nobler than He, which is impossible. Objection 3. Further, the act of understanding is specified by the intelligible object, as is every other act from its own object. Hence, the intellectual act is so much nobler, the nobler the object understood. But God is his own intellectual act. If therefore God understands anything other than himself, then God himself is specified by something else than himself, which cannot be. Therefore, he does not understand things other than himself. On the contrary, it is written, all things are naked and open to his eyes. I answer that God necessarily knows things other than himself. For it is manifest that he perfectly understands himself. Otherwise his existence would not be perfect, since his existence is his act of understanding. Now if anything is perfectly known, it follows of necessity that its power is perfectly known. But the power of anything can be perfectly known only by knowing to what its power extends. Since therefore the divine power extends to other things by the very fact that it is the first effective cause of all things, as is clear from the aforesaid, God must necessarily know things other than himself. And this appears still more plainly if we add that the very existence of the first effective cause, namely God, is his own act of understanding. Hence, whatever effects pre-exist in God, as in the first cause, must be in his act of understanding, and all things must be in him according to an intelligible mode. For everything which is in another is in it according to the mode of that in which it is. Now, in order to know how God knows things other than himself, we must consider that a thing is known in two ways, in itself and in another a thing is known in itself when it is known by the proper species adequate to the knowable object as when the eye sees a man through the image of a man a thing is seen in another through the image of that which contains it as when a part is seen in the whole by the image of the whole or when a man is seen in a mirror by the image in the mirror or by any other mode by which one thing is seen in another so we say that God sees himself in himself because he sees himself through his essence, and he sees other things not in themselves, but in himself, inasmuch as his essence contains the similitude of things other than himself. Reply to Objection 1. The passage of Augustine in which it is said that God sees nothing outside himself is not to be taken in such a way as if God saw nothing outside himself, but in the sense that what is outside himself he does not see except in himself, as above explained. Reply to objection 2. The object understood is a perfection of the one understanding, not by its substance, but by its image, according to which it is in the intellect as its form and perfection, as said in the De Anima. For a stone is not in the soul, but its image. Now those things which are other than God are understood by God inasmuch as the essence of God contains their images, as above explained. Hence it does not follow that there is any perfection in the divine intellect other than the divine essence. Reply to Objection 3. The intellectual act is not specified by what is understood in another, 
but by the principal object understood in which other things are understood. For the intellectual act is specified by its object inasmuch as the intelligible form is the principle of the intellectual operation. Since every operation is specified by the form which is its principle of operation as heating by heat. Hence the intellectual operation is specified by that intelligible form which makes the intellect in act. And this is the image of the principal thing understood, which in God is nothing but his own essence, in which all images of things are comprehended. Hence it does not follow that the divine intellectual act, or rather God himself, is specified by anything else than the divine essence itself. Sixth article, whether God knows things other than himself by proper knowledge. Objection 1. It seems that God does not know things other than himself by proper knowledge, for as was shown, God knows things other than himself according as they are in himself. But other things are in him as in their common and universal cause, and are known to God as in their first and universal cause. This is to know them by general and not by proper knowledge. Therefore God knows things beside himself by general and not by proper knowledge. Objection 2. Further, the created essence is as distinct from the divine essence as the divine essence is distinct from the created essence. But the divine essence cannot be known by the created essence as said above. Therefore neither can the created essence be known by the divine essence. Thus, as God knows only by his essence, it follows that he does not know what the creature is in its essence, so as to know what it is, which is have proper knowledge of it. Objection 3. Further, proper knowledge of a thing can come only through its proper ratio, that is, concept. But as God knows all things by his essence, it seems that he does not know each thing by its proper ratio. For one thing cannot be the proper ratio of many and diverse things. Therefore God has not a proper knowledge of things, but a general knowledge. For to know things otherwise than by their proper ratio is to have only a common and general knowledge of them. On the contrary, to have a proper knowledge of things is to know them not only in general, but as they are distinct from each other. Now God knows things in that manner. Hence it is written that he reaches even to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints also, and the marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart, neither is there any creature invisible in his sight. I answer that some have erred on this point, saying that God knows things other than himself only in general, that is, only as beings. For as fire, if it knew itself as the principle of heat, would know the nature of heat, and all things else in so far as they are hot, so God through knowing himself as a principle of being, knows the nature of being and all other things so far as they are beings. But this cannot be. For to know a thing in general and not in particular is to have an imperfect knowledge. Hence our intellect, when it is reduced from potentiality to act, acquires first a universal and confused knowledge of things before it knows them in particular, as proceeding from the imperfect to the perfect, as is clear from the physics. If therefore the knowledge of God regarding things other than himself is only universal and not special, it would follow that his understanding would not be absolutely perfect. Therefore neither would his being be perfect, and this is against what was said above. We must therefore hold that God knows things other than himself with a proper knowledge, not only in so far as being is common to them, but in so far as one is distinguished from the other. In proof thereof we may observe that 
some wishing to show that god knows many things by one bring forward some examples as for instance that if the center knew itself it would know all lines that proceed from the center or if light knew itself it would know all colors now these examples although they are similar in part namely as regards universal causality nevertheless fail in this respect that multitude and diversity are caused by the one universal principle not as regards that which is the principle of distinction but only as regards that in which they communicate for the diversity of colors is not caused by the light only but by the different dispositions of the diaphanous medium which receives it and likewise the diversity of the lines is caused by their different position hence it is that this kind of diversity and multitude cannot be known in its principle by proper knowledge but only in a general way in god however it is otherwise for it was shown above that whatever perfection exists in any creature wholly pre-exists and is contained in god in an excelling manner now not only what is common to creatures namely being belongs to their perfection but also what makes them distinguished from each other as living and understanding and the like whereby living beings are distinguished from the non-living and the intelligent from the non-intelligent likewise every form whereby each thing is constituted in its own species is a perfection and thus all things pre-exist in god not only as regards what is common to all but also as regards what distinguishes one thing from another and therefore as god contains all perfections in himself the essence of god is compared to all other essences of things not as the common to the proper as unity to numbers or as the center of a circle to the radiating lines but as perfect acts to imperfect as if i were to compare man to animal or six a perfect number to the imperfect numbers contained under it now it is manifest that by a perfect act imperfect acts can be known not only in general but also by proper knowledge thus for example whoever knows a man knows an animal by proper knowledge and whoever knows the number six knows the number three also by proper knowledge as therefore the essence of god contains in itself all the perfection contained in the essence of any other being and far more god can know in himself all of them with proper knowledge for the nature proper to each thing consists in some degree of participation in the divine perfection now god could not be said to know himself perfectly unless he knew all the ways in which his own perfection can be shared by others neither could he know the very nature of being perfectly unless he knew all modes of being hence it is manifest that god knows all things with proper knowledge in their distinctness from each other reply to objection one so to know a thing as it is in the knower may be understood in two ways in one way this adverb so imports the mode of knowledge on the part of the thing known and in that sense it is false for the knower does not always know the object known according to the existence it has in the knower since the eye does not know a stone according to the existence it has in the eye but by the image of the stone which is in the eye the eye knows the stone according to its existence outside the eye and if any knower has a knowledge of the object known according to the mode of existence it has in the knower the knower nevertheless knows it according to its mode of existence outside the knower 
Thus the intellect knows a stone according to the intelligible existence it has in the intellect, inasmuch as it knows that it understands, while nevertheless it knows what a stone is of its own nature. If, however, the adverb so be understood to import the mode of knowledge on the part of the knower, in that sense it is true that only the knower has knowledge of the object known as it is in the knower. For the more perfectly the thing known is in the knower, the more perfect is the mode of knowledge. We must therefore say that God not only knows that all things are in himself, but by the fact that they are in him, he knows them in their own nature, and all the more perfectly, the more perfectly each one is in him. Reply to Objection 2. The created essence is compared to the essence of God as the imperfect to the perfect act. Therefore the created essence cannot sufficiently lead us to the knowledge of the divine essence, but rather the converse. Reply to Objection 3. The same thing cannot be taken in an equal manner as the ratio of different things, but the divine essence excels all creatures, hence it can be taken as the proper ratio of each thing according to the diverse ways in which diverse creatures participate in and imitate it. Seventh article whether the knowledge of God is discursive. Objection 1. It seems that the knowledge of God is discursive. For the knowledge of God is not habitual knowledge, but actual knowledge. Now the philosopher says, The habit of knowledge may regard many things at once, but actual understanding regards only one thing at a time. Therefore, as God knows many things, himself and others, as shown above, it seems that he does not understand all at once, but discourses from one to the other. Objection 2. Further, discursive knowledge is to know the effect through its cause, but God knows things through himself as an effect is known through its cause, therefore his knowledge is discursive. Objection 3. Further, God knows each creature more perfectly than we know it, but we know the effects in their created causes, and thus we go discursively from causes to things caused. Therefore it seems that the same applies to God. On the contrary, Augustine says, God does not see all things in their particularity or separately, as if he saw alternatively here and there, but he sees all things together at once. I answer that in the divine knowledge there is no discursion, the proof of which is as follows. In our knowledge there is a twofold discursion. One is according to succession only, as when we have actually understood anything, we turn ourselves to understand something else while the other mode of discursion is according to causality, is when through principles we arrive at the knowledge of conclusions. The first kind of discursion cannot belong to God, for many things which we understand in succession, if each is considered in itself, we understand simultaneously if we see them in some one thing. If, for instance, we understand the parts in the whole, or see different things in a mirror. Now God sees all things in one thing, which is himself. Therefore God sees all things together and not successively. Likewise, the second mode of discursion cannot be applied to God, first because this second mode of discursion presupposes the first mode, for whosoever proceeds from principles to conclusions does not consider both at once. Secondly, because to discourse thus is to proceed from the known to the unknown. Hence it is manifest that when the first is known, the second is still unknown, and thus the second is known not in the first, but from the first. Now the turn of discursive reasoning is attained when the second is seen in the first by resolving the effects into their causes, and then the discursion ceases. Hence, as God sees if 
effects in himself as their cause, his knowledge is not discursive. Reply to Objection 1. Although there is only one act of understanding in itself, nevertheless many things may be understood in one medium, as shown above. Reply to Objection 2. God does not know by their cause, known as it were previously, effects unknown, but he knows the effects in the cause, and hence his knowledge is not discursive, as it was shown above. Reply to Objection 3. God sees the effects of created causes in the causes themselves much better than we can but still not in such a manner that the knowledge of the effects is caused in him by the knowledge of the created causes, as is the case with us, and hence his knowledge is not discursive. Eighth article, whether the knowledge of God is the cause of things. Objection 1. It seems that the knowledge of God is not the cause of things. For Origen says on Romans, whom he called them he also justified. A thing will happen not because God knows it as future, but because it is future, it is on that account known by God before it exists. Objection 2. Further, given the cause, the effect follows, but the knowledge of God is eternal. Therefore, if the knowledge of God is the cause of things created, it seems that creatures are eternal. Objection 3. Further, the thing known is prior to knowledge and is its measure, as the philosopher says. But what is posterior and measured cannot be a cause. Therefore, the knowledge of God is not the cause of things. On the contrary, Augustine says, not because they are does God know all creatures, spiritual and temporal, but because he knows them, therefore they are. I answer that the knowledge of God is the cause of things. For the knowledge of God is to all creatures what the knowledge of the artificer is to the things made by his art. Now the knowledge of the artificer is the cause of the things made by his art from the fact that the artificer works by his intellect. Hence the form of the intellect must be the principle of action as heat is the principle of heating. Nevertheless, we must observe that a natural form, being a form that remains in that to which it gives existence, denotes a principle of action according only as it has an inclination to an effect. And likewise, the intelligible form does not denote a principle of action insofar as it resides in the one who understands, unless there is added to it the inclination to an effect, which inclination is through the will. For since the intelligible form has a relation to opposite things, inasmuch as the same knowledge relates to opposites, it would not produce a determinate effect unless it were determined to one thing by the appetite, as the philosopher says. Now it is manifest that God causes things by his intellect, since his being is his act of understanding, and hence his knowledge must be the cause of things, insofar as his will is joined to it. Hence the knowledge of God as the cause of things is usually called the knowledge of approbation. Reply to Objection 1. Origen speaks in reference to that aspect of knowledge to which the idea of causality does not belong unless the will is joined to it, as is said above. But when he says the reason why God foreknows some things is because they are future, this must be understood according to the cause of consequence and not according to the cause of essence. Where things are in the future, it follows that God knows them, but not that the futurity of things is the cause why God knows them. Reply to Objection 2. 
The knowledge of God is the cause of things according as things are in His knowledge. Now, that thing should be eternal was not in the knowledge of God. Hence, although the knowledge of God is eternal, it does not follow that creatures are eternal. Reply to Objection 3. Natural things are midway between the knowledge of God and our knowledge. For we receive knowledge from natural things, of which God is the cause by His knowledge. Hence, as the natural objects of knowledge are prior to our knowledge and are its measure, so the knowledge of God is prior to natural things and is the measure of them. As, for instance, a house is midway between the knowledge of the builder who made it and the knowledge of the one who gathers his knowledge of the house from the house already built. The end of question 14. Part 1.